The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper. And I'll likely be in for Bert all week. Uh, He was diagnosed with COVID, and so we pray he has a speedy recovery. Today, we're in Proverbs chapter 9, and with me is my good friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. Good afternoon, sir. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Doing well. I trust Brother Bert is is on the mend. In fact, just earlier today, Jim, I talked to two other colleagues that are quarantined for five days at home around the country. And so, uh, you know, our prayers continue to go out for people everywhere impacted by this thing. Uh, The history books will have a lot to say about COVID. I know it's just, it's been around longer and reached farther than I think any of us anticipated. Well, it has. And, you know, as the, it's no longer the new kid on the block. And so now they're talking about Fluorona and what is it? Omicron is I, yeah, and Delta Cron. That's right. Uh, yeah, and I'm... today, though, there's Alabama Tron. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's there's great weeping and sadness in the state of Alabama. Yep, yeah, that's true. That's and true. And so uh, Georgia evidently found the antidote to the incredible run that Alabama has had, and they uh, they had the 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 mystery the the mystery oil or whatever you call it, but they had it, didn't they? They sure did, and and I say that tongue-in-cheek. Um, it was a great game, They and Coach Saban handled uh, the loss as well as he does the victories. He was very complimentary of his running backs and quarterback uh, as they had accepted responsibility for the loss, and he said, wait a minute, these guys have played their hearts out. And so I thought that was real good of him. And then the conversation he had with uh, the opposing coach was really neat. And so, you know, Nick Saban, for love him or hate him, he's just a class act. Well, don't you remember when all of sports was like that? Uh, you know, and uh, um, gracious winners, uh, gracious losers, and uh, sports and any endeavor, it was about character more than other things. It was. Well, we're going to get off the sports talk now because I, I don't want to completely take us off track as I normally do. But uh, since that game was last night, I thought it, and as well as the game was played by both teams, I thought it was worthy of a mention today. And so, uh, well, you know, go ahead, hey, brother. You know, we're in Proverbs 9, and folks, this is Exploring the Word with Alex McFarland and Jim Stanley. So glad you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. We are in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and of course, later on in the show, we will open up the telephones and take your Bible questions. We'd love to hear from you. Jim, already this year, a couple of times people will call in. They'll say, I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener, first-time caller. We've had a few people call in, and they said that they've tried for a long, long time to get in, and and that was their day to, to get in. So, friend, today is your day to get a, a Bible question in. And I'm going to give that number. It's 888-589-8840. And uh, in a few minutes from now, we'll get to the, the telephones and your questions. Also, I do want to remind everybody of the app. 
uh, the American Family Radio app, AFR.net, is on the website, too. And the shows are archived, and the, the mobile app, you can listen to all the great programming. Uh, today's Issues, Sandy Rios, The Hamilton Corner, Airing the Addisons. There's so much great programming. We hope Exploring the Word is your favorite, though. That's right. But, uh, I want to I begin Proverbs 9. If you've ever been to Yankee Stadium in New York, City, they used to say this is the house that Ruth built while we're talking about sports, you know. And I, I remember once I got to go to Yankee Stadium and they said this this is the house that was built on home runs. Well, in Proverbs 9, it says wisdom has builded her house. And there's the implication that that right living and, and living by truth will produce things. And, and it will. Now, what's interesting, Jim. We're going to see that wisdom is productive. Wisdom is protective. Uh, wisdom is creative. We're going to see several things that wisdom produces. And uh, wisdom does produce things. And it says wisdom has built her house. The question for us, though, is have we built our lives on wisdom? Mm. That's good. Hey, can I share an illustration? Yes, sir. Uh, I was reading a commentary this is years ago and i'm sure you've heard variations of this sermon illustration but it was a true story there was a a man he said he was passing by a, a building that was being heavily renovated and at one end of the property it said um now hiring carpenters trim carpenters painters skilled only need apply and way at the other end of the fence there was another little trailer and it said uh demolition workers needed no experience necessary <laughs> see to tear something down you don't need a lot of skill anybody can destroy something but to build something uh really whether it's a, a structure or it's your life or it's your destiny you've got to do it according to truth Proverbs 9 says, Wisdom has builded her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars, just like the, the beams of a roof are very uh, specific. Well, seven pillars, that means perfection. She has killed her beast. She has mingled her wine. She also has furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She cries upon the highest places of the city. Now, Jim... I was uh, working through these first verses of Proverbs 9. I'm going to say wisdom to live according to God's truth. It's productive, protective, it's creative, it's proactive, and it's influential, mm. and it's even instructive. Now, let me explain. A house, you live your life according to God's revelation, it'll produce things. Okay. Um, you live your life according to God's truth. It will protect you. Uh, beasts or predators are killed. Now, in verse 2 where it says she's mingled her wine and furnished her table, doesn't mean um, something bad there like uh, strong drink. It's talking about the fact that it's creative. Um, wisdom will put food on the table, Jim. You know? Yes, sir. And notice that it was hewn, the that the pillars were hewn, and so her her foundation is stable. She's yes. made sure that um, that it that it's made on the best stuff, which of course is is something wisdom would tell us to do. Exactly. That well said. Hewn. 
It's not just haphazardly thrown together, but it means carefully crafted. And do you know, it's a beautiful thing. Jim, I love to talk to older people as I travel, and I, I meet a lot of elderly people, and, and I've heard stories of making it through the Great Depression or, or surviving and you know uh, in times of national crisis or wars or family crisis. I, I've heard so many older people say, you know, we had a business and uh, hard times came along, but the good Lord got us through it. I've heard from God's people stories of overcoming. And I want to say, friend, to everybody listening, the good Lord will shepherd you through your dark valley as well. Mm. And the wisest thing you can do when you're discouraged, when you're afraid, when you're weary, don't throw in the towel and don't go off on some pathway that's destructive. Keep on walking with Jesus. Uh, wisdom will keep food on your table. Wisdom will uh, hew out a, a, a safe sanctuary for you. And, I mean, the, the analogy here is like a building and like things being provided for. Verse 4 says, Whoso is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who wants understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, drink of my wine, which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. There's the imagery here of like an inn on the highway. You're a traveler, you're out in the wilderness, and somebody in the doorway says, come into this place of warmth and safety. So that's what wisdom is saying to you. And right now, I mean, obviously we're talking about Jesus, but turning to not only God for salvation, but turning to God's revelation for your um, approach to life, that's the wisest thing you can do. Amen. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jim Stanley uh, is who I am. Dr. Alex McFarland is who he is. And we're bringing the program to you this afternoon. And as he mentioned, we are in the ninth chapter of the book of Proverbs. You know, Alex, as I was looking over that and uh, the different things there, as far as, as to whom the invitation goes out to, uh, I, I thought that that was kind of interesting she didn't go out she didn't tell her maidens to go out and invite you know the the super intel or hyper intelligent if you would but mm-hmm. rather those who in verse four whoever is simple let him turn in here as for him who lacks understanding she says come to him come eat of my bread and drink of the wine i have mixed forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding so the invitation is to come in one way and go out another. Mm. And you know, you make a great point, Jim. Yeah, yeah. and I was going to say that's the same invitation that God offers us through, offers us through his son Christ to mm-hmm. come in literally dead and to go out alive in Christ. So Amen. just as, as in Proverbs wisdom was wanting to change people so too now christ wants us to change and the neat part of that is christ imparts wisdom to us just as the holy spirit does and as the writer here in proverbs is sharing amen you know the fact that the lord changes us this is so beautiful um verse 9 says give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser teach a just man and he will increase in learning uh, now, 
very famously, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a restatement of Proverbs 1.7. We saw those words in the very beginning of the, the book. Uh, you might have seen, um, was it J.I. Packer that wrote Knowledge of the Holy or A.W. Tozer? One of those. Uh, very one of the great books of the 20th century comes right out of Proverbs 9:10. The knowledge of the holy, that was a that was a, a famous book title. But it, it says, you know, if you reprove a foolish man, he'll hate you. But verse eight says, rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he'll be wiser. Now go on down there to verse 13. It says, a foolish woman is clamorous or quarrelsome, uh, simple. And I would say that's the same for a foolish man. God wants to change us. Scripture can shape and sharpen and, yes, change us. Um, Not only can we be changed, Jim, by the Lord and His Word, we need to be changed. I need it. And and that's one of the beautiful things about being a Christian. Um, You can grow in the Lord for decades and still have more to go. And as long as you're in the land of the living, I mean, this is what's so beautiful. Don't ever think, you know, God's through with me. I guess I've gone as far as I can go. No, there's always more of Jesus to gain and learn. Sure is. By the way, that book was by A.W. Tozer that you mentioned, and that was The Knowledge of the Holy. I wanted to look that up to make sure because folks will will email us and ask about that. And so that may help them along the way as well. The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley. He's Alex McFarland, and we'll continue straight ahead. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Gina Raimondo, U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Her office works to create jobs, promote economic growth, encourage sustainable development, and block harmful trade practices of other nations. Leviticus 25.14 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Gina Raimondo in her work at the Commerce Department. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says America's assault on Christianity is a relatively new development. In the past, even non-believers felt at home with Judeo-Christian values and practices. It was called the Christian consensus. So what happened? We'll find out as we spend two minutes with Tony. During those days, there was not a lot of shame to be a Christian in your school, to be a Christian in the public square, to name the name of Jesus in prayers. Well, you didn't have to go through a lot of rejection and shame because there was enough Christian influence by the church and by media and the value systems made it okay to be a Christian. 
Not anymore. You're going to now stick out like a sore thumb if you are a public representative of Jesus Christ. Let's make this straight. I'm not talking about somebody who just believes in God. That's vague. God the Father didn't die on the cross. Jesus the Son died on the cross. You and I are living in cancel culture, and they are coming for Christianity. They're coming for the church. When you hold a biblical stand in love, but with clarity, the goal is to cancel the voice of Christianity. General religion won't be touched. Biblical religion will be assaulted. So the question is, are you willing to pick up your cross? Learn to develop that kind of devotion by going back to square one in your faith. Check out Tony's CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. That's one of those songs, Alex, that you just kind of get lost in and want to hear more of it. And so uh, that's the one, Nobody, by Casting Crowns, with a little help from Matthew West, I believe, if my memory serves. And so um, anyway, that's why I let it play so long. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. And before we get back to Proverbs 9, I want to share a very special need with you uh, this afternoon. And that's from our friends at Freeborn. Now, folks, this is a, a, pre, a pro-life company that we partner with uh, in January of each year because January is... Um, Sanctity of human life. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, folks, I want you, want you to understand we, we do have a goal. We'd like to sponsor at least 3,000 ultrasounds this week. And I don't... I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to offend those who have given and those who are praying about giving, but we really need your help because we're behind where we need to be for the goals. So here's what I'd like to challenge you to do this hour. As you continue to listen and and study with us, I'd also encourage you to call 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396. Your gift of $28 can provide one woman an ultrasound, and you may change her life and her baby's life uh, by helping her choose life. $140 provides five free ultrasound sessions. And so, you know, I, I sent this email out to the staff earlier thanking them for what they had done and reminding them that in the year 2021, we helped save uh, 43,000 babies. And then more than 8,000 ladies came to know Christ. And so I just did a simple simple multiplication. If those 8,000 ladies tell one person about Christ and then they raise their children to come to the knowledge of Christ, that makes it 24,000 people who have been impacted for the gospel. And think about that on a, on a greater scale. If that baby grows up, 
to share their story that their mom chose life. You know, uh, we may see the next Billy Graham, the next Franklin Graham, uh, the next A.W. Tozer. You know, uh, the, the, the things there are limitless. And so we really do need to choose life, don't we, Alex? We do. We do. And what was that number last year, Jim? Did you say 41,000 ultrasounds? 43,000. Well, now, not in the one week, but we over the year helped provide 43,000 ultrasounds. Praise God. Praise God. That is so wonderful. That really is wonderful. And, you know, this is the issue. I mean, there's so many issues in our nation, but the issue of life. And so uh, the Bible has a lot to say about taking up the cause of the widow and the orphan. And Jim, um, I've got to say this, as long as I, I do think, and I don't want to get us off track here, we're in Proverbs 9, but um, I think all the abortions that have gone on since 1973, and just uh, that, see, that opened the gate. When we um, begin to deviate from our view of the sanctity of human life, uh, along comes all these other things from uh, gay marriage to ultimately, as the, the Tony Evans inspirational minute was saying during the break, that you know now it's open war on Christianity. The, the war on Christianity and the gospel began as we cut ourselves loose from God's moral code. And, and I'll just put it this way. If, if you would be okay with the, the killing of an innocent baby you'd be okay with anything. So that's why it is imperative, I mean, for so many reasons, to to bring us back to a culture of life. And I, th- I can think of nothing more tangible to stand for life than to underwrite these ultrasounds. And as we've seen, just an incredibly high percentage. Bert, Bert you're, you're Jim Stanley. Isn't it something like... You know, 90-plus percent of expectant mothers, if they they see an ultrasound, they will keep their baby. It's 80 percent. I wish it were 90, but it's 80. 80 percent. Yeah. And they'll they'll carry it to term. And the thing is, there are adoptive families Mm -hmm. that want children. Babies are wanted. And so uh, there's a lot I could say here. Um, If you don't mind, I want to say two things, and then we'll get back to Proverbs. One... I had a fr- I had a friend, and we're going back forty years now, Alex, and uh, we were talking about abortion then, and so it was one of the things. The saddest statement I ever heard was that she felt like if God allowed her to get pregnant, it would be so that she could be a statistic of abortion, because she had already chosen that she was not going to have a child should she become pregnant, mm. and. That broke my heart. It broke my heart for her. It broke my heart for whom her uh, prospective husband might be. It broke my heart for the child that would be unborn. Um, and so that's, that is a, a really tragic thing to say, that they would mm. be willing to be a statistic in the abortion count. Um, Goodness. And I just don't, you know, this comes back right directly to where we are in Proverbs. And it simply says in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For me, by me, your days will be multiplied and years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. So we don't need to scoff at what God has considered good 
And that's, that's true. you know, choosing life. Now, the second thing I want to say is for ladies who have walked through abortion, friend, there is hope and healing in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think of of the um, adulteress that was brought and cast feet of Jesus, and he gave, he forgave her. And he says, no man condemns you, neither do I. You know, go your way and commit this sin no more. And so I, that same forgiveness, the same forgiveness that was available for Jim Stanley is available for you. The same forgiveness that was available for Alex is available for you. Mm-hmm. Your sin alone does not have to condemn you to an eternity for hell wow. any more than any other sin does. You can find hope and healing in Jesus Christ. And Jim, how and uh, where online and how can people participate in supporting preborn? Uh it's 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396. They can also find out more information and donate online at afr.net. Well, we are in Proverbs chapter 9, and what a joy it is to look at the Word of God with Jim Stanley. Uh, and again, it says, Whoso is simple, turn in here, and as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him. Now, again, what's so interesting, Proverbs continually comes back to moral warnings. Mm. Verse 17, Stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he knows not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. You know, Jim, a lot of commentators have talked about the fact, you know, here, wisdom says, come on in. Uh, the, the invitation is here. The door is open. Come on in. But there's this little uh, admonition. Stolen waters are sweet. A lot of people think that refers to something illicit, as in something immoral, like an affair or something like that. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Doesn't mean lastingly pleasant, but I mean, you know, th- there's a rush. And hey, there there is a certain allure to sin. But the Bible says the pleasures of sin are but for a season. But you don't realize it, verse 18, whether it's something done in the shadows, something on the side that's illicit, something you think, quote, you've gotten away with, Don't you know, verse 18, the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of hell. Jim, there's a connection between what you believe about truth and one's moral behavior or lack thereof, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's direct correlation to that because you'll do one or you'll do the other. Yeah. And and let me say, um, in the home, on the job, uh, in our day-to-day life, uh, let me just say, the the real you eventually comes out. I mean, you eventually you eventually find out who people are, don't you, Jim? Sure do. Alex, you were talking about um, the the meanings that we find in in uh, Proverbs, and eleven said, "Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant." You know, when we, and we'll get there, when we get to Proverbs 2017, we'll, we'll see it read this way. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Mm. And so 
when you said that doesn't mean it will be sweet all the time or that it will be pleasant all the time, that made me think of that verse from Proverbs. Well, amen. Well, we get into chapter 10, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes glad, makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, traveling as I do, talking to thousands of people a year, if, if there's one thing that I've listened to over and over and my heart just uh, is full of empathy, really, but fathers and mothers praying for errant children. Mm-hmm. Now, I've talked with a lot of parents that rejoice over godly children. I've had a lot of moms and dads, Jim, and they'll say, you know, I don't know how I was so blessed, but I've got some really godly kids. Well, praise the Lord for that. But it says a, a, a godly son, a wise son, makes a happy daddy. A foolish son is the heaviness of a mother, or literally the sorrow of a mother. Mm-hmm. And so be a child that not only brings joy to your parents, but has the blessing of God. Because remember, it says earlier in Proverbs that the Lord ponders the goings of a man. Now, verse 2 of Proverbs 10, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Uh, Jim, back to personifying truth and righteousness here. Uh, Righteousness can rescue you, not ultimately from death. We're all going to die, but I I do think some foolish people have died prematurely. Mm. I think relationships have died. I think opportunities have been lost. Foolishness will rob you. Truth will preserve you. Amen. And there in verse 3, it says, The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. And that goes back to what you said. And also, when you go back and you look at the quote-unquote sweet bread that turns to gravel or turns to dust, there's no nourishment there. But there's a ton of nourishment in wisdom and following wisdom for the answer instead of just, you know, sometimes what we think is best. We need to make sure that we see what God considers best. Mm. Well, you know, I've got the King James here. Verse 3 is interesting. The Lord will not suffer or allow the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casts away the substance of the wicked. I'm sorry, I stopped too soon. I I don't want to give the uh, new King James. I don't want to discredit it. It did say that as well, but I failed to read the full verse. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. You know, substance, whenever in in the Bible you hear the word substance, um, that very often speaks of, you know, how you pay the bills, your your the things you need and your um, uh, provision, really. God casts away the substance of the wicked. The word cast away there really takes away the means of support. Um, yeah, I've seen it many times. I've seen people that for for a moment, I mean, they had their day in the sun and they had it going on and then through sinful living, they lost everything. You know, Jim, we um, very often it'll be in the news about somebody who, you know, had a windfall of money or something, and they partied it all away. I, I've seen that, haven't you? And, I have, uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when I look at some of the uh, football players throughout the years and other sports idols, if you will, mm-hmm. who have had just literally tons and tons of money that you and I could not imagine spending in a lifetime, and yet now they're broke. Yeah. You know, because they've just let it run through their fingers. 
Well, well, yeah. Verse 4 says, He becomes poor who deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, let me, let me just say this, folks. The word in verse 4, a slack hand, really means careless living, mm. to live carelessly. And like you say, people have partied and, you know, burned it up and all that. Uh, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, this is not a show about finances per right. se, but the Word of God has a lot to say about money. I've read biographies of different people, missionaries, uh, entrepreneurs. I read the biography of Ronald Reagan years ago. I read the biography of Warren Buffett, um, the the Oracle of Omaha, they call him, one of the wealthiest men in the world. And I don't, I don't know where he is spiritually. I'm not saying yay or nay about him spiritually, but but he basically says, you know, work hard, live within your means, save your money, and you'll go places. And that's true, isn't it, Jim? Oh, it sure is. Um, I think, I, I believe it's the gentleman who started Caterpillar. You know, he, um, yes, he yeah. wound up, don't, uh, instead of just tithing 10%, he really did try to outgive God. And at one point in his life, he was up to 90% tithing and living on just the 10%. And so I I think that for him, that was incredibly wise because God knew he could trust him. And so he trusted him with more. Um, So you're absolutely right. If we are diligent in what we do, then God truly blesses us. He that gathers in summer is a wise son. He that sleeps in the harvest is a son that causes shame. Hey, You've heard that saying, work while the sun shines. That's really true, isn't it, Jim? It really is. Well, folks, we'll take your phone calls next at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. As Exploring the Word continues with Alex McFarland and Jim Stanley here on American Family Radio. In honor of the grand opening of the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation on February 1st, AFA will re-release The God Who Speaks on our new streaming platform and in a special limited edition DVD set. The God Who Speaks, tracing evidence for the Bible's inspiration and authority, was originally released in 2018. This special set includes features like two hours of new footage and a Sunday school curriculum. Learn more at thegodwhospeaks.org. If I could try to explain to you what it means to abide in Christ, if I could say here is the secret to your spiritual life in one word, I could not come up with a word that would be more central to the Christian experience than the word obedience. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, 10 Steps to Spiritual Renewal, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Newly published information from LifeWay Research shows 77% of self-identified Christians in dozens of states think it's a sin to lend money to someone who can't afford to pay it back. Still, few say payday loans are immoral, and one in six Christians has admitted to taking out a high-interest payday loan. The federal government's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says a typical two-week payday loan charges the equivalent of a 400% interest rate. These sharks prey on the poor, elderly, and most vulnerable in society. 
sound the alarm and make sure your family, church, and neighborhood steer clear of this vermin. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. With the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptation always comes with the trials in our lives, and sometimes we just foolishly flirt with temptation to see how close we can get without giving in. But God has a word for you. Run! Get away from the temptation as fast as you can, because sin can destroy you. God always provides a way of escape when we're tempted so that we won't sin. So ask God to help you find the way of escape so that you can avoid sin and the pain that always comes with it. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. It's a new horizon and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. Oh yeah, my fears and doubts. They American Family Radio, and that was all my fault. Pat had already told me when we were coming back, and uh, so I apologize for that. At any rate, we welcome you back. The number to call is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. And we finished up there uh, at verse, what verse did I say, Pat? Five. And so, Alex, we're going to put a pin in that and come back and Kind of go back a couple of verses so that we can, uh, we don't want to leave anything uh, unsaid there. And so rather than just stopping the reading and and not having time for discussion, we'll come back and pick up there tomorrow. So there's your homework for tomorrow, folks. We pick up at verse 5 and we continue through the, uh, probably the end of chapter 10 of Proverbs. Um, Alex, we were talking about pro-life and we were talking about pre-born and the campaign that we have going on. While mm-hmm. folks are calling 888-589-8840, I'd like to give them a different number to call and make a donation or a pledge if they would. And if that number sounds familiar, it's because it's the same number that we use for Sherathon. 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396. But I want to be clear that this is in support of preborn. And so you can find out more information also at AFR.net. It gives you a little more of the backstory of uh, preborn and why they do what they do. And so I'd encourage you to participate with our campaign along with our partner from preborn. And, and they're just really good folks. Well, shall mm-hmm. we go to the phones? Let's do it, folks. You're listening to Exploring the Word. We'd love to do our best to answer your Bible question. And we're going to start with Mike calling from Texas. Mike, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you guys for taking my call. I appreciate it and feel like it's a miracle I even got through. So anyway, uh, 
I had a question, and, and I've, I've just always kind of wondered about, and I don't have it in front of me because I'm I'm actually out in my van and don't have my my Bible in front of me. But when when you begin to read in the book of Judges, you know there, there's promises that God had given the children of Israel about inheriting the land, conquering the land, that He would drive out the inhabitants in front of them. But then it gets to a passage, and I, and I don't know exactly know where it was, but it says uh, something to the effect that they were not uh, able to drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. And is it because Israel had gone back into sin at this point in time that they couldn't conquer the land? Is it? I'm trying to find out why that would be a problem because, I mean, God's bigger than that, but what, what do you think? Um, you know what's interesting? They uh, never really did completely obey God in purging the land. This is in Judges one nineteen, as far as I can tell. Let me read this. Um, if if I'm thinking of the passage correctly, it says uh, the Lord was with Judah, and He drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but He could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron, and they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said, and He expelled thence the three sons of uh, Anak. All right. It wasn't that that God didn't have the power, because obviously, with all of His power, you know, God could God created the universe. But the thing was, um, they possessed the land, but they never really fully. It doesn't mean that they couldn't. It really means they didn't. They could have done it, but they didn't do it. It's almost like us today, Jim, that we oftentimes. Um, we we could fully obey. We could we could complete the Great Commission in one generation. Probably could uh, complete the Great Commission in under a decade, but uh, we don't. And so, what a lot of commentators says uh, is it wasn't that it's not possible for God, but it wasn't actual for Moses and his leaders. In, in other words, they could have, but they just didn't. Right. Okay, Mike, I hope that helps, and we appreciate your call this afternoon. I'm going to talk to Patty calling from Alabama now. Patty, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Uh, thank you guys so much for everything that you do. I uh, One quick note, I received one of those wonderful Bibles. It just came in the mail today, and I wanted to say thank you all so much, and it's it's very special. Um, I love the remarks section. I love the leather bound, and I can't wait to get into it further. Uh, but my question is, um, some, sometimes Jesus, when he performs miracles, he will tell the person not to tell anyone. And sometimes when he does, he tells them to, you know, maybe go tell the priest or whatever. Uh, can you comment on that just a little bit as to why he, um, you know, told them, do not tell anyone? Or... Alex, sometimes, and Patty, thank you for that question. Alex, isn't, isn't that because sometimes, just like when he told the gentleman to go show himself to the priest, he wanted them to see it first so that they could not deny what had happened? Mm-hmm. You know, in John chapter 7, verse 6, and then also in John 7, verse 30, um, Jesus uses the phrase, and the phrase is used of Jesus, 
Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And then in John 7, 30, he said, his time has not yet come. Uh, later on, uh, in one passage, it says, uh, my hour has not yet come. Mm. So most would say, Jim, that whenever Jesus said, tell no man, maybe, I, I don't know that we completely know the answer to this, but maybe Jesus was um, walking that tightrope of not letting things escalate too quickly. Because, you know, the people, there was what scholars call messianic expectation. People, you know, here's the one. He, this is the Messiah. Let's raise him up. And there, there were increasing numbers of people, you know, supporting Jesus. There was increasing, though, hostility from the religious establishment. And eventually the people would cry out, crucify him, crucify him. So, Jim, I think when he, when he healed somebody and said, tell no man, or in, sometimes he says, you know, tell what great things the Lord has done for you, um, it was because of that phrase you know, my hour has not yet come mm-hmm. because the because there was a clash. And let me say this. Either they accept him as Messiah or they reject and crucify. They reached that crossroads, and it, it surely did come soon enough. Well, Jim, in every life, in every life, there's an impasse. Friend, you're going to have to either accept Jesus, but if you don't accept him, that conversely means you've rejected him. Mm. And so just like the crowds of old, they had a decision to make. Every person hearing this broadcast, you have a decision to make. Either Christ is Lord of your life or he's not. Please choose correctly. Amen. Patty, thanks so much for the call this afternoon. I sure do appreciate it and appreciate it. And by the way, uh, we hope that you do enjoy the Bible, that you get a lot of mileage out of it, and that you'll learn just as we're talking about wisdom today in Proverbs that you'll learn a deeper uh, walk with Christ as you study through it. So God bless. We're going to talk to Selena now from Texas. Selena, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I love Exploring the Word, but here is my question, uh, and I'm going to be fast with it because I know there's other callers. But um, I was wondering, I mean, I hear you all talking about uh, abortion and, you know, choosing life. As a person that was molested when I was growing up, I know if, if I had have gotten pregnant as a result of that, I know that I would not have wanted to keep that baby. So my first choice would have been abortion. But, I've, you know, now that I'm in Christ and I see how he has really restored me and healed me from the damage that it caused emotionally and mentally, how would I minister to other young women that may be experiencing the same thing and get pregnant? How would I be able to articulate to them and get them, you know, to see that keeping the baby versus aborting the baby is the best decision? I'll hang up now and listen to you both. Hey, mm. Selena, thank you for your openness there and, and for calling us this afternoon. Um, I appreciate that, and I'm glad to know that you're in Christ now. Let me, and I'm going to let Alex talk to this in just a moment, but let me start by saying I have no idea what to tell you in that situation. Uh, I would counsel for life because even though the baby came out of a terrible situation, the baby had not done anything wrong. And, you you know, had you chosen to or uh, you said that that was never a choice, but 
for you, but for counseling young ladies now, um, I would encourage them to choose life because there's so much, and I've seen this um, through friends that have had abortions earlier in life and the struggles that they go through later in life. Uh, so it's one of those things that it's a, it's a horrific choice to have to make. And uh, so again, I applaud you for your openness and uh, know that we'll be praying for you as you minister to other young ladies. But Alex, in that situation, the baby hasn't done anything wrong. And I can understand how it would be a reminder to the mom but they could put the baby up for adoption. You know, there are, there are other oh, solutions. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, you know, and by the way, let me just say this, folks. An hour from now, I'm going to be guest hosting on the Hamilton Corner. And I've got a guest tonight, Michelle Canfield, Ph.D. She's a licensed professional counselor, and she's, she's a Christian author. Uh, and she's got a book out about parenting and like like the caller asked, you know, as a teenager, as a young person, having been molested, and then if there had been a pregnancy, how do you deal with that? I will specifically pose that question to Michelle Canfield, who is a professional Christian counselor, on the Hamilton Corner tonight when we talk about parenting and the state of youth an hour from now. But in the meantime, let me just, in the strongest possible terms, agree with Jim Stanley um, you know, I realize it, it is unfortunate. You know, we're in a fallen, sinful world, and people do terrible things to each other. And uh, sexual assault occurs, mm. and young people lose their innocence. That's very sad. But you know what? Let me just say, for every expectant uh, mother carrying a child, there are parents and families just waiting in line to adopt. They really are. Every child is wanted, really. And you know, while in no way do I minimize the pain and the trauma and just the emotional scarring that goes with something like a molestation or a rape, it's terrible. But yet at the same time, Jim, um, God is powerful enough that he can bring good out of what otherwise would have been wickedness, can't he? He sure can. And uh, so again, I want to be very clear. There's no way I could I could walk through that and and give. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's not a mansplain for that, yeah. and uh, the only thing I can answer you from is from the heart, and I would encourage anyone in that situation to think about the baby, because the baby could grow up to have a great and productive life, and you could put the baby up for adoption, uh, if it was one that you don't think you could fulfill. But then when you come to the knowledge of Christ as Savior, and folks, let me be clear, this even happens in the church. And so oh, yeah. then the person is not only scarred emotionally and physically, but also spiritually. So we have to be careful of that. Um, but when you come to Christ, then you you could maybe come to a place that you could forgive uh, what had happened. And so, again, there's no way for me to walk through that pain, and through that agony that you did and the reconciliation that you've come to know in Christ, but I'm sure glad you did. Let's talk to Corey now calling from Arkansas. Corey, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, Corey. Yeah, I uh, have a have a quick question for you. Thank you for taking my call. The uh, Something's been on my mind that's been burning that I needed to call and, and ask this question, but there is in your opinion, is there a separation between, say, the kingdom 
and, and the church. And the reason I ask this question is I, I hear comments of, of people talking about uh, doctrine or, or, or the truth being uh, compromised for the, for the purpose of, of having more membership, possibly not wanting to offend someone. Uh, and, and I have a, a scripture that comes to mind, John 10 and 16, and then kind of many sheep that I have that are not of this fold, and then will I bring also. Uh, and, and back to my question being, do you believe that there is, say, an exclusive church body? And is there a difference between, say, a kingdom saint and, uh, and a member of a church in a sense? Alex? Great, great question. Um, most scholars would say the church, the bride of Christ, is the all of the believers throughout all of the ages that you know um habakkuk 2 says that that people in the old testament time they were justified made right through faith in other words trust belief what did they believe they believed in the messiah that would come now we are saved we are justified by faith in christ that's romans 5 romans 12 romans 8 now luke 13 29 says this says that, that people will come from the east and from the west, from the north and the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Now, people of all strata, goodness, from the, the, the church folk of the good old USA to the people in the bush country of the jungles, but the commonality that makes anyone a part of the church is, to the best of their ability, they put their faith in the Savior. So, Jim, I'd say the church is all who are saved by faith in God's salvation. Amen. We've got a caller from West Virginia whose question didn't make it on the air, but I can answer it in the time we have left. The question was, is the King James Version of the Bible the only version that's correct? No, it's not. And I don't want to offend a bunch of folks there, but we've said that often, Alex, that there are many trusted versions out there, aren't there? There are. And folks, we encourage you to keep on reading in Proverbs 10, 6, and following. And we'll pick it up again tomorrow on more of Exploring the Word, won't we, Jim? Absolutely. Have a great afternoon. Washington Watch comes your way next after news on AFR. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.